0: foodies rock with leslie chesterman on show 97.7 an expert's guide for what to put in your mouth and where to do it at 11 minutes after seven o'clock hi leslie oh terry i was just listening to that song and i thought what a perfect introduction to yes. this yeah. bit. and I, I i guess you guys are playing that song on a loop all the time because <laughs> uh couldn't be better
1: yeah, it's a for it's, my kids. Yeah, it's a, a storm showm staple has been for many years. Uh, by the way, speaking of your kids, I would like you to tell the story about REM and Hall & Oates.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Well, being a, of a certain age of somebody who grew up I think during the best musical decade, the 80s, I am and you know the 90s to a certain extent. Um I kind of spend a lot of my time trying to educate my children, my two wonderful children who are 16 and 19, on the music of my era. And there is an endless depth of wonderful music to play. And so last night, I kind of cracked out the REM playlist, which, of course, is amazing, right? And I'm sitting there, you know, almost tearing up, thinking of the good times, because, you know, we had a lot of good times to that music. And one of my kids turns around and says, could you put on Hall & Oates? And I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hollow notes you even know about hollow notes because that wasn't me introducing you to all notes but you know i like hollow notes like it's yeah, wrong so to say I. that but it's yeah. like you know and uh and then i wrote that on uh, social media and somebody's like they're so cool your kids hollow notes is so much better yeah. than rem and i'm like Okay, you know, to each his and her own, and uh, yes, so every night at dinner I try to, you know, crack out some tunes, and uh, sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't, you know? So they're like, can you put on some Moody Blues? And I'm like, Moody Blues? I don't even know where they're getting their information anymore, you know, so I'm very concerned, yes, yes. Well, I'm glad it happens every night at my house. Yeah,
1: it's nice that it's also, you know, a, a musical household along with a culinary one, so that's nice to know.
0: Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, today I want to talk a little bit about uh, we're kind of five months into this pandemic, I guess, if you're counting properly. Sometimes I think it's seven, but... Um, and kind of what's a few uh, things about what's going on in the restaurant world, not only here, but there are a lot of there are a lot. Actually, there are a lot more articles coming out of places like New York, where there's kind of more of a dire situation, and yeah. of course, COVID hit New York so hard. But it's such a big dining destination because restaurants there, you know, the ones that are that are doing uh, business are only doing kind of 23% volume. They're saying. Which is not enough to keep them going. So even if you see some of these restaurants in places like New York with lineups and they're they have these big terraces and they're full, that they're just not allowed to have the restaurant open, and so they're really struggling. And a lot of people are haven't paid rent for months. So eventually, if they have to repay that rent, but I've also been talking to some local restaurateurs and chefs, and the situation here is kind of precarious for some people. And then other people have told me that they've never done as well. You know, so. Wow. Um, Depends on your business model. There's a great kind of bakery called Merci La Vie, which is actually now closed for until after Labor Day, I think. But they have uh, all their indoor operations are closed. And they have a big field where they could put uh, picnic tables. And it really is a great place to go and pick up their amazing bread. And you could sit outside and have a salad. And they started a nighttime operation. So they just quickly changed their business model. And uh, he said it's, uh, you know, the, the chef Albert Abilia is saying that, you know, I can't complain, whereas other people will say, "You know, absolutely, I ran into some people who are saying things aren't great, and they kind of mumble it under their breath and uh, and so, you know, I'm kind of just looking at the way things are evolving. and then, of course, this news about Mo, which is um yeah. which is an interesting situation as well
1: yeah, i uh, I got a, a tweet yesterday there was a, a piece in La press yesterday. The merchants on St Denis are crying out for help, right. and uh, Lee sent me a note saying she was at uh, l'express. Uh, around the breakfast hour uh, yesterday, around eleven o'clock, and she said there were, she was in the restaurant with uh, somebody, and there were three other people in the restaurant. And I said, I I don't ever remember looking in Lexpress's window and right. seeing five people in the restaurant. It's uh, it's dire yeah. times. I mean, part of it is pandemic, and and part of it is is what happened, what's happened to Saint Denis over the years.
0: Yeah, the Saint-Denis, which was such a great restaurant street. I mean, the only restaurant I can think of right now in Saint-Denis is L'Express. There are so many that I've seen come and go. Um but you know, a a restaurant like L'Express, which is all about ambiance, we have to realize that in the like in the close future, yeah ambiance is just something like we all used to complain that restaurants were too noisy. Well, (laughs) take those noise meters and throw them out the window because that is just the opposite. And is that but then like we have to think about what is our tie to restaurants in our city and other cities and restaurants of course I think really make up the the profile of a city, especially like Montreal. And I've always said, you know, the only reason I stayed in Montreal is because of our great <laughs> restaurant scene. But I mean, at least everybody is hurting. And when I say that, it's just that it's just not our city. But they're, you know, cities like New York are really, really hurting so, on the restaurant scene.
1: What, so what, what, what's your take on, on the Moishe's thing, for example? Is there, you were the, one of the uh, first people I thought of when I, I was away yeah. and I read that online and I, I was, I was kind of knocked off my heels by it because it's... It's such a big part of the culture of the city. You know, Moishes, that corner table, those yeah. stories that oh Bill told in his his column, it's such a big yeah. part uh, and now is it is it just evolution, Leslie? Is it just part of the history of Montreal? Does it does it does it matter that we lose these institutions?
0: Absolutely. But and I think when it comes to a restaurant like Moish's, I mean I, I, I don't want to speak for management and the owners, but from somebody who's kind of looked at the restaurant industry here for 20 years, this is a matter also of the restaurant model evolving So right. and neighborhoods changing. So if you look at a restaurant like Moish's, the owner Lenny ladder worked really hard for a long time to keep it up to date. So if you take something like a steakhouse and you look at all these kind of brasserie restaurants in Montreal, well, how do you make a steakhouse relevant in, on today's restaurant scene? So they did things like they renovated and they opened an after 10 o'clock service, and it was, you know, every time I went to Moisture's, it was full, yeah. and I remember a few times hearing, like, oh, it looks full, but it really has to be full to sustain the, you know, they not too far from 100 employees, I think 70 so employees, T- to sustain that kind of payroll, you really have to be packing people in. Secondly, the price of beef is out of control. I don't know if you've bought any kind of steaks lately, yeah. but yeah. whoa, yeah. you know, I've turned to chicken big time. I'm growing feathers because it really, <laughs> and uh, And so the price of beef plays in so that if people were sitting down and just having a steak, the restaurant wasn't making a profit and at one point they even had to start selling like the Monte Carlo potato on the side and people didn't like that. Um, And so they were really only making a profit over people drinking wine or having side dishes because the steak alone was not enough to cover the bill, uh, the profit side of the equation. Then you look at something like the neighborhood. So we can talk about St. Denis having problems, but the main has a lot of problems too. But the way it's evolved, is it a restaurant destination? No longer became a lunch restaurant destination or the kind of business person lunch. Now the business person lunch might just be disappearing anyway because of COVID. But because that, you know, I remember going to Moishe's 20 some years ago and I had lunch there, you know, maybe yeah. 22 years ago. I had lunch the first time I went to Moisha's. They couldn't sustain a lunch service anymore. I know people, like uh, Milos did by dropping the price to a $20 lunch, so people it made it people's worthwhile to go down there. So if you can't serve lunch, you don't have any kind of a terrorist situation. I mean, Moishe's, you couldn't even look out the window on a beautiful day, really. Um, but the sad thing about that is Moishe's was one of the real restaurants in Montreal that felt like an old-school restaurant. You yeah. know, like, you're absolutely right. People didn't know, but the tables in the front, like the corner tables, the side tables, like, there were certain tables when you walk into Moishe's, you'd always kind of look to your left to see who was there, you know, yeah. and, and there were people <laughs> yeah. there. You know, yeah. I saw Howie Mandel eating yes. there. I saw politicians yeah. eating there. Uh, you know, this was a around of kind of movers and shakers as well and and it's very interesting to say that it really was an Anglophone Montreal restaurant yep. that also appealed very wildly to French Canadians, you know, to 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 French Quebecers and English Quebecers, but really was English Quebecers in the subset was really the Jewish community. Of course, it was like three generations of Jewish Montrealers all went to Moishes. you know, that doesn't mean that nobody else went to Moises, but it was very well known because of the tradition of that restaurant itself, that it was well, kind of a Jewish institution li- uh, in yeah. the city.
1: Listen, maybe I, I'm I'm wrapped up in nostalgia, but I you know, I was saying to a friend of mine last week, you know, as a Montrealer, as a kid who grew up in Montreal, there's small Montreal moments that gave me a big thrill. One of them was when mm. Ben's put my picture up that was a wow, big, yes. big thrill for yes, me. Yes, you know, as a Montreal kid, I was I was so honored by that. And the other one mm-hmm. was getting the corner table at Moishe's. A couple of times I got the right. corner table at Moishe's. You knew you arrived it, when you got well, the corner it, table it at Moishe's. It was yeah. mostly because I was with somebody who was, you know... Um, oh, come it, on, was... Terry. Come on. They
0: were with <laughs> you, Terry. They were with you. But it's, but I think you know, also, does yeah. that matter
1: anymore? Do those things matter anymore? Does the city that will always matter. Yeah. Okay. Got you. That will you always know. matter. And yeah. I think,
0: I think another thing about Moisha's that was great was just the setup alone. I mean, how many yeah. restaurants in Montreal were on the second floor? You'd walk yeah. up those stairs. You know, there'd yeah, be the doorman it's... there. And in the early days of Moishe's, they'd call out your either your family name or your yes. table number. Yeah. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, yeah. that all of it was vraiment Montrealais, right? It had a real right. Montreal yeah. vibe to it. And, uh, yeah. listen, it's sad to see those things go, and I don't know what replaces them. And, you know, Lenny says they're coming back. I hope so. But, uh, yeah. I, you know, I hate but to say But also, like don't it.
0: forget, if they come back, like, because they've yeah. been bought by the Casual Sport Company, they're, yeah. they're, they, they were going to invest heavily in a new restaurant in Old yeah. Montreal, and that has been scrapped because they want to have a terrace. They want to have a lunch service. Right. They want to right. have a psycho set. Cassette, all these things that are important to keep a restaurant going for many of many hours of the day. Um, So, you know, that is on ice right now, and I certainly hope it comes back. Can it come back with that same ambiance, that same kind of Martin Scorsese movie ambiance that you get in Moïse's some night? I I don't think so, but it still could be uh, an important, relevant restaurant. But we have lost a big chunk of the kind of Montreal old, you know, it's 83 years old. Yeah. 83 years old in the same spot. So it's a big deal.
1: All right, yeah. well... Um, it's hard we'll, to lose these things. It is, it is. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll talk yeah. more about this in the coming weeks, no doubt. Uh, great to talk yeah. to you again, Leslie. Thanks so much. All right.
0: Okay, see day. you
1: later. Leslie Chesterman on Food and Dining every Wednesday morning at around 7.10.